Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. You know, this week, um, you know, it's interesting. We're getting towards the end of the year, right? And um, taxes. Most people think I'm going to do my taxes in April, right. but no, we need to do some tax planning. Yeah, this is the key moment for tax right. planning. Exactly. Because what happens between now and December 31st, a lot mm-hmm. of it you can't go back and redo mm-hmm. after January 1, right? Right. And there's some things that have changed this year that people we want to talk about today. There's some things that are just normal levers every year. Right. November, right. December, you should think about and see right. if it's going to help your tax position. Yeah. So the first one I think we're going to jump into is an odd one to me. This is, it's new. So it, people- Just because of COVID. I think so. Primarily. Yeah. yeah. So when people work in a state and they live in a state, they pay taxes in that state. That's very right. normal. Um, but uh, there's people for years who have worked in one state and lived in another, and there's tax rules that, that apply there. But with COVID, they're having people who live in one state, they work out of their house in that state, but they work for a company that has an office where they used to work in a different state. Yeah. So, so which, where do they pay taxes? Who who applies? Well, there's there's a rule now called a convenient. I, I love this convenience rule, right? Yeah. Convenient for the people, right? That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, convenient for the IRS, convenient for the company. But potentially, you could have both states taxing the income that comes from that person's work. And <laughs> and and you're and you're thinking like you and I were talking about this. It's like really, yeah. But this this is a real thing. Yeah. So the, the cases come up is uh, Massachusetts and New Hampshire uh, residents who work in one state and live right. in another. And it used to be they would commute back and forth. Where now they're they're I guess the New Hampshire folks, Massachusetts is trying to reach in and tax those folks to say, well, you work for a New Hampshire company, even they live in Massachusetts. I could have that flipped. It will see what the case. But but that's the idea, and it just highlights this new dynamic that people could live in one right. state and work in in that state fully, but. We related to a company in a different state, and there's tax rules apply. And the, the worst is, you know, getting, you know, wearing here in California, getting California taxes plus another state taxes. Well, again, I, I've had people tell me that they would like to move to Nevada or Arizona, and and basically keep their business activities in California, and mm-hmm. that just becomes problematic. Yeah, it, it could really create a real problem for you. Um, but in it, but this kind of this kind of deals with this, right? And it's because of COVID, right? And this is something that you know we don't have advice on. You know, this right. is something you need to talk to your tax advisor, right? You know, whether you know some like if, example being if you pay international taxes, um, the U.S. gives you a credit for the taxes paid right. in other countries. So it's not you're actually paying double tax; it's just an offset of what's paid where. State-wise, uh, I mean, I assume that's the same, but I don't know. And in this in this particular article, it was it was kind of like I went what? Right. So I had I went back and reread it, and I went back and reread it again. I went. That can't be. Right. But in fact, it does happen. Right. And the issue is that you're not dealing with like federal uh, overlay of how these are supposed to interact. These are just different states. And the state says, you owe tax here. And another state says, you owe tax here. Yeah. And they don't have a, I have to play nice in the sandbox or some sort of a offsetting rule that's consistent across states. It, it, It's simply a state saying, oh, by the way, you owe taxes here. Right. So anyway, this is something that, you know, I'm Randy Barkley, and this is Jeremiah Lee, and we're with uh, Tricord Advisors, and we're talking about tax today. Uh, This is kind of a unique situation, and if you're listening to us, this is something that, 
if you happen to be working remotely and you live in one state and you're working out of another state, it's something that you want to talk to your accountant about, your CPA, because we can't really give you tax advice, but we would work with your CPA or whatever in the planning process. We're talking with a lot of clients right now about retiring and moving and you know, or, you know, selling a business and things like that, that could create a huge tax bill. So people are trying to figure out, do they move to another state? This is an odd deal in yeah. the sense that it's the earned income, the income that you're making. And they talked about in this article about people that are independent contractors. That becomes even more problematic, mm -hmm. right? If you're doing the work in one state, but in fact, you're claiming residency in another I could see where California would come after that. Oh, yeah. California is fairly aggressive in reaching after right. people and, and other states as well. So I think that's a good one to, to think about. And if that applies to you, you know, to make sure you get good tax advice. The other one that's interesting is Biden's student debt forgiveness. Right. Um, this oh, one. Boy. Yeah. You hear about it and, you know, everybody's free, right? I'm sure there's some students that say, hooray, this is great. <laughs> so there's been a number of spins and curveballs and, and concerns with this. One that we want to talk about today is potentially the taxes. Right. So the federal government has said there won't be federal taxes on your debt forgiveness. This is a government program. This is okay. But states have not confirmed that. And there's a handful of states that based on current laws, it appears this would be called forgiveness of debt. Yeah. And, and forgiveness of debt is a well-known item that when you're forgiven a debt, the, the government treats that as income to you. Right. And for this federal forgiveness program, there's a concern that states will say, hey, that, that's taxable income to you. So even though you got that $10,000 forgiven, you actually owe state tax as if that were income to you this right. year. And if you're not able to pay the debt, all of a sudden you they, they reduce the debt to zero, but the whole total amount that you've had forgiven becomes an, a taxable event. Yeah. Well, in the state of California, that could be as much as 10, 15 percent, you know, not 15 percent, but over 10 mm. percent. Yeah of your total amount that was forgiven. Yeah. It kind of goes back to the short sale. I remember I had clients mm -hmm. where they sold their home back in 2008 when it was the economy was just really crashing because of the real estate and they had short sales. Well, the debt was forgiven. Well, they didn't realize the debt was forgiven, but they had to pay income tax on that amount of debt that was forgiven. Yeah. Uh, people were really surprised. Yeah. And, and you think about what you might have to pay in a given year right. on your debt service. Right. Now all that's forgiven, hooray! Right. But if you now have as income, it's now on your tax bill. You, I, I don't know the numbers how they would shake out, but you could potentially have to pay more in that year for the taxes than what, it would have been yeah. your your periodic payment that was stretched over many years. Yeah. So so taxes are a big deal, and they may be boring. You know, most people say you're always going to end up paying. You're gonna you can't escape taxes or or <laughs> death. You're right. Death, death, death right? and taxes. Um, but I think. You do some planning. And what we try to do is help our clients be aware there's little idiosyncrasies in the law. There's certain things, and that's where we go through it. If we find something that is in the, the client's life, that's just kind of an odd income situation. That's where we would go to the advisors that we work with, our CPAs and other, mm -hmm. you know, it depends on how deep it is. But we have we have clients that even have foreign income. And so yes, you, that's right. you've got it, you've got to deal with that. And you can't just shove it off and say it's no big deal. Right. When and people who just don't deal with it until April. Right. You're you're locked in. You're stuck. And right. This is the moment to be strategic to say, what do we want to do before the end of the year? Either. So as we transition, these two kind of fun items, but just I want to talk a little bit about just the normal um, stuff. So the first one is kind of IRAs. If someone doesn't have a 401k through their job, they just have a regular IRA. This year it's six thousand dollars. That's the 2022 limit. So is if, that the maximum I can put in if I'm an IRA? If if you're my age in an IRA, <laughs> if you're if you're over fifty, you can get up to seven. Oh, you're trying to say the older people can yeah, put in more? They, it's called a catch-up contribution. Okay. You get a little bit more. So if someone hasn't 
had any contributions to any retirement says, wow, I'm going to have too many taxes this year. They can take six or 7,000 if they're over 50, put it into an IRA and avoid taxes on the money. They get a tax right. deduction. Right. The, the next level up is 401ks. People okay. who have a job and there's a 401k out there that they can contribute to. The limit is $20,500. Now, most people don't have the money in the pot. They just throw it in there and it has to come out of your paycheck. But people so, who are so let, let's kind of talk about the distinction yeah. between an IRA because an IRA you could wait until April April fifteenth or when you file your taxes. Yeah, and you do one big and that, that's a good comment. It's not December thirty first. It's when you file your taxes. Right. So that April fifteenth, I'm not sure where it falls. I think it's eighteenth this year. Yeah. But you can actually contribute it to that in one lump sum. You can right. just do it. But four hundred one k is different. It, yeah. it is can only get into the plan from payroll deduction. Payroll so deduction. you can't wait until April and put money back in your yeah, 401k. It's a December hard line. It has to be in December and it has to come out of your paycheck. So right. we've had some clients who get to the end of the year and say, you know, we're doing fine. We've got good money in the bank. We've had good savings. And I'd like to avoid some taxes and really right. boost my retirement. So they'll change their elections with their employer. They'll go to the employer and say, I'd like to put in as much as I can per paycheck for the next, say, three or four paychecks. Um, you know, we're in uh, just about to go into November here. So people, most people probably have four paychecks right. left um, that they could put a large amount from those paychecks into their retirement. And, and we've done that with clients. We've had clients who have received inheritance and mm. I looked at it and their their income was good. But they still needed the money, you know, the cash flow from their salary. I said, listen, we'll take some money from your inheritance, which is tax free. Mm -hmm. We can cross it over to you. But I want you to maximize your contributions to your 401k. Well, the husband and wife both working, they were putting almost 50 grand into their 401k. And they thought, well, we can never do that. But it reduced their overall tax liability. And we'll readjust on January of every year. But, you know, it was just a tax planning issue. A good strategic move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a really good comment. If somebody had a, I guess you say a windfall, a tax-free windfall for cash flow that they could do in a year. And so the next year, you know, so $20,500 is what you can do. If you're a bit older, you can do 27,000 this year. Right. And next year is a pretty big jump, isn't it? Yeah. There's a, a benefit, you know, $6,500. If you're over, uh, I think, 50, 50 plus, you can put that extra in those catch up and you can do it each year. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big way to say, okay, I'm 50. I'm not ready for retirement, but I'm going to lean into this and really so catch what, up. So we, we've kind of discussed this with some clients who continue to work yeah. and pass required minimum distribution age. Now the required minimum distribution age is. 72. 72. But if I continue to work and I earn a salary, am I required to take out my RMD? And can I can st- can I still contribute yeah. to my 401k, right? It's an odd little moment. So if most people have worked multiple jobs in their life, right. and when they worked a prior 401k, they've left that job and they, they age to get to 72, they have to take t- start taking RMDs out of that account, whether it's a 401k account or the rollover IRA account. However, if However. they're still working for the job that they have the 401k with right now, and they get to age 72, if they're still working, they can delay their RMDs. So uh, again, it, it's a it's it's a planning issue because yeah. you know cash flow. Some people will depend upon that to meet their cash flow, but most clients, when we're looking at uh, delaying the the distribution from their retirement plans, because they have other income, they have yeah. either investment income or they have a pension. And maybe they don't want that income because it is all a hundred percent taxable. Yeah. You know, you there's no there's no capital gains on this. There's no, you know, depreciation that you can offset this with. I right. mean, it comes out and it's and so a lot of clients going, I don't, I don't want the income. Yeah. You know, and obviously most clients, we just have to say, 
Sorry, this yeah. is this the yeah, way the rules are. Yeah. yeah, you have but to But if you're still it. working for that job, there's a, a little bit of a loophole there, which are things that most people wouldn't know unless you get in that situation. Exactly. And having a professional with you, that's the useful. So we talked about IRAs and 401ks. The other one to talk about is charitable contributions. I think most people are aware of this, that if you right. give charitably and you're itemizing your deductions, you'll get benefits for that tax-wise. And so as you get near the end of the year to think with your taxes, I always love to do with for the accountant to do a pro forma tax picture to say, what does it kind of look like I'm going to pay? Right. And if I gave an extra you know, X amount of dollars charitably, what does that do for me? Is, mm-hmm. it, is it useful? Does it lower me a tax bracket? Um, one thing that, that people have been doing recently because the standard deductions are so high is in one year, a married couple say, we'll both take the standard deduction. So they get a, a nice reduction of taxes. Don't do any charitable giving. Then the next year, they'll do two years worth of charitable giving. They basically bundle. They bundle, yeah. And they'll do all the itemizing. They'll give charitable giving. They'll do all the things they can to to use their deductions if they exceed Mm -hmm. the standard deduction. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, they go back and take the standard deduction again. And because the standard deductions are so high, some people feel, well, I'm not going to get the credit for giving charitably. But if you bundle them into years, you can do that. So one thing to consider as you get to the end of the year is... Um, do I want to give charitably? Would I do this anyways? Right. Do I want to do it before the end of the year? And or do I want to make a bundling year one way mm-hmm. or the other? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some good tax levers. So the other, the other thing too, if you're over... Now, this is kind of the catch here. Now, so if you're over 70 or 70, you can actually make a distribution directly to a charity mm. uh, in that year. So the year you turn 70... Now, a lot of people will get this confused with the RMD year because the IRS moved the schedule... So your RMDs are required at 72, the year you turn 72. But if you want to make money, if you want to make a contribution directly from your IRA, you can do that to help reduce your, again, I don't want to get too technical here, but on the front page, it helps to reduce your modified adjusted gross income. But that has an impact on potentially what you pay in Medicare premiums. So bundling or taking the direct contribution or the distributions from your IRA or your qualified accounts going directly to the charity could have some other additional tax benefits yep. uh, to you. So it's just, right. And some people aren't charitably minded, so right. this is not a concern for them. But a lot of folks that we work with especially are charitably minded and right. they want to say, how do I maximize? I want to give. I want to support my community. But how do I do it in the most effective way? And that's, that's some of these discussions, how to do that. So we'll talk about HSAs in a moment. I think let's take a quick break. Uh, But HSAs, they are a a great option for those that apply. So stay tuned. We'll come right back. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner, who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. 
Welcome back. We're talking about taxes today. We're coming up on November and December. Taxes. Yuck. Right. Yeah, I was saying earlier, it's a five, what, a five letter word that feels like a four letter word. I'm not, I'm not sure. yeah. um, it, it should be something like that, like tack, like stick. Yeah, yeah right. Stick you. H- hook you with it. Get right. With it. So we've been talking about taxes and we don't want to touch on another one that not, not everybody has, but is interesting if you do have it. It's called an HSA, a health savings account. And these, um, the only way you can get to one of these accounts is through your employer. Um, you have to, or having a high deductible plan, I guess. You, got, you have to, to have a it. health insurance plan that qualifies for an HSA. And, and I, I think we have to make a distinction between an FSA, mm. where you know, so a lot of people are familiar with that, whereas this is a HSA. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, there's certain requirements, there's different requirements on both of them. Yeah. And we like, we like the, I mean, you could have both technically, but uh, most of the time you don't. Most yeah. Of the time and the don't. HSA, it's healthcare only. And that's yes. the whole point. So if you have a, a, a healthcare plan that's as qualified as a high deductible plan, there's some rules of what, what do you have to do? But basically, right. if you have a high deductible, they say, well, we're going to allow you to have one of these HSA health savings accounts. And the benefit of these is you put the money in pre-tax. You know, you get paid for your you employer. get tax deduction for it. Pre-tax is, is code word for you get a deduction off your yeah. income. Yeah. So you put it in there and right. the money goes to this account and then it sits and it, it grows. It's invested. It grows over time. You don't pay any taxes on that growth, which is great. And when you take it out, here's the if, kicker. If you use it properly. You take it out and use it for medical co-pays. Um, prescriptions. Prescription drugs, whatever. medical procedures that aren't otherwise covered. If you use it for stuff like Long-term that. Long-term care insurance premiums. Oh, that's covered. a big one. Yeah, that's, that is a big one. So if you have- Long-term care insurance, you can use your HSA to pay that. Yeah. So if you use it for any of those purposes, when it comes out, there's no tax there. That's the kicker because retirement funds, you put them in, you get a tax avoidance. So wait a minute. So let me go over this now. So I get a tax deduction for the contribution. I can invest it. So I get tax deferred or tax-free buildup of my holdings. It grows. And when I take it out, it's also tax-free. It's not part of your income. Can you tell me any investment out there that gives me all three of those? That's great. That's that's the amazing part of these HSAs. So most retirement accounts, qualified retirement accounts, give you two of those, right? right? It gives you the reduction on your taxable income when you put it in, gives you tax-free growth. But when you take it out, it's income. Now, again, I think I think they're prejudiced against older people because once you get Medicare age, no matter what your health insurance plan is, you can't contribute to an HSA. I get a lot of clients who are beyond 65 and they go, well, can I do that? I'm saying, no, sorry. Even sorry, though you're you still can't. working, even if you have the right health insurance plan at work, because you, now you shift to Medicare. It doesn't make any difference. I've had the arguments mm. all over the place. And I and li- believe me, you're preaching to the choir when you're mm-hmm. talking to me about it because I'm over 65. Yeah. So I love HS- HSAs. I think they are a phenomenal tool and we try to encourage people to use them. But the issue is it's got to be tied to a qualified health plan, yeah. right? You got to have a qualified health plan and it, it takes planning. Yes. This isn't something that you can say, hey, at a good year, let's put $20,000 into this. I'm going to fund my copays and fund my medical for next decade. You can't do it like that. It, it, it's a little bit each year. So for a single person, it's $3,650. That's all you can put in. For a family, which is most what people are trying to structure, so it's $7,300 so each they, year. So they limit the amount that you can put in each year, yes. right? Are, yeah. are there income limits as to when you can't put it in? It's a good question. I don't know of any. I know that as long as you have the right plan, you put it in. But that's something we'd look with with each person right. you know, to make sure they qualify. But the idea being that if you put this in one year, it doesn't make a difference. Two years three years, four years. If you oh do this goodness. consistently and the money is invested. We, we have some clients that have literally a over $100,000, $200,000 yeah. in their HSA account. Which is shocking when you get there. And, <laughs> yeah, and you say, exactly. well, how did you do this? And it was it was consistent planning, knowing that they didn't need to use it at the moment. They let it grow. They let the investments run with it. So now that they're a little bit older, they've got regular co-pays, they've got regular prescriptions. 
This money is money that they never paid tax on years ago. And we, and we look at it from that standpoint, they have built up a plan that helped pay for their long-term care needs if there are any. Yep. And again, it's it's the triple benefit of all three of those tax benefits that that money can go. And when it gets paid out, no taxes. Right. And how many people would, would love that to say, I can avoid taxes now when I'm younger. And then when I'm older and I need money, I can use it tax-free. It's, it's a great process. But again, it's something that you have to make a strategic plan and lean right. into. So for people who you know can shift to a qualified health plan, it makes sense for their life now, get an HSA. And start that process of putting away this money and getting invested. Yeah. It, it's a great way to go. It's, a, it's an amazing instrument. And I, and again, getting back in comparison in HSA to you can accumulate it. So if you don't use the money, in other words, if, if the money just accumulates, it goes from year to year, it builds up just like an IRA account mm-hmm. or any other investment account. Whereas if you have an FSA, a flexible savings account, you have to spend all the money that's been mm-hmm. allotted to you by the end of each year, whether you use it for childcare or some other benefits. Whereas an HSA, you can accumulate, if you don't use it, it builds up over time and it's your money. Yep. And, that, and that's a big deal. It's a big mind. deal. Right. And knowing that healthcare costs as people age are not going to go down. Yeah. They're usually, you know, very, very, very commonly they're going to go up and having right. as a resource is great. So we talked to, you know, 401ks, IRAs, some other tax items. The last one will be uh, just bonuses. If you're going to get a bonus, if you're going to get any sort of end of year additional compensation, right. you know, this may not be the year that people get bonuses, but, but if you do, it's a good moment to think about how much of that bonus should go into your pocket and pay taxes on it. How much of that bonus should go into your retirement? So if I'm going to get a bonus in December, let's say I'm, I'm working yep. for a company and they regularly determine my bonus and I know what it is, but can I use that to max out my 401k then? Yeah, you can. So say you're going to get a $5,000 bonus. You look at how much you contribute to your 401k and say, oh, I could, I could avoid the income. I don't need the cash flow at the moment and I can put into my retirement. And someone who's in their 20s and 30s, this has a it's a huge benefit. It feels harder to them, right? right. I want the money. More. I'm not going right. to see this for years. But that's a huge boost to their future self. But someone who is a little older, they see the benefit. Oh, I'm going to use this money you know, in a number of years yeah. and I can avoid the taxes now. It's a great moment. So what, what you do, you talk to your employer and say, oh, I'm going to get a bonus. I'd like to change my, my contributions to the retirement plan. So we have a lot of conversation about whether you should go into a traditional plan or a Roth plan. Now, mm-hmm. most 401k plans will have a Roth provision. That just yeah. means that if you're getting a bonus, whatever that is or whatever you contribute to it, you're going to pay taxes on the contribution. Mm-hmm. Now, the advantages of a Roth, of course, is that you don't pay any of the gain. You don't have any any taxes mm-hmm. on the gain. And the distributions later on in life, it's, it's all going to be tax-free. It's tax-free, All right. tax-free. So it's a different as far as the deductibility at the end. But most plans will have, like on a 401k, um, you can do a Roth. You can yeah. do a Roth. You don't have to do in what I call a, a contributory plan where you're just getting the deduction for it. Right. So depending on the age and the circumstances, we've got some you know personal philosophies regarding Ross, I know I think you look at it slightly different than I do. Right. I look at it as you want to use the tax deduction dollars to build your retirement account up. Once you've reached that level that you feel comfortable with the dollar amount you've accumulated, then you switch to a Roth because mm-hmm. the Roth is going to give you a better tax yeah. cash flow later on. Right. And often we'll talk about Roths in one of my perspectives that they, they can double as a college savings account. Yeah. You put wow. money in there, you do it when you're younger, even let it grow. And if your kids go to college, hey, that's what you use the, the funds for it. If they don't, you use it for retirement. There's so many programs that you need to know about in all these little increments. And that's what we do is we sit down with our clients yeah. and help them through the process of what can you use, what can't you use, how do you maximize, how do you utilize it to reduce the taxes 
because you're using a hundred cents on the dollar for everything dollar you make, you're getting that into your retirement plan for a later use, right? Good one. Yep. So November, it's a good time to check this stuff out. Look at your finances, see where you're at. If you miss any part of this episode, you can go to our website, retirementunlimited.com and catch the whole thing, or you can catch us on YouTube. You can also give our office a call. It's 951-684-7011. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney-client or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.